0: Welcome to the Kidmen Huddle, part of the Kids Matter Podcast Network. Gather round, Kidmen leaders, and be encouraged and equipped as you build the kingdom. Now here's your host, Amber Pike. Welcome back to the second episode of the Kidmen Huddle. For all of my Kidmen friends, this is a big week for us. It's MegaCon week. Are all of you loving it? Do you like the online aspect this year? I'm kinda torn on how I feel about online conferences. The cool part is that I've got to experience conferences that I wouldn't normally get to go to. I go to MegaCon every year because it's just a couple hours from my house, but I'm picky about what conferences I go to. Or maybe I'm just frugal and not a good traveler. Cost and distance are some of the big deciding factors for me when it comes to deciding if I wanna go to a conference or not. So I'm near Louisville in Kentucky. And we get a lot of big stuff there We're I think the third 10th, we're in the top 10 biggest cities in the nation. So we get a lot of really good stuff. And I think I'm kind of spoiled because of that, because so many things come here, I don't have to travel far. For several years, the D6 conference used to be in Louisville. So I didn't even need to get a hotel to go. I would just drive up for the day and then come home and sleep in my bed and then drive up the next day. The Creation Museum used to have a conference for children's ministry leaders, and my husband would go with me, so we had kind of like a two-day date night getaway, even though he doesn't work in ministry. It was just great training as a believer. So anyone from Answers in Genesis, if you're listening, the Pike family would really like for you to bring back the Children's Pastors Conference. Thank you. And I just, I can't justify CPC yet. I would love to go there. But by the time I travel to Florida and buy the ticket and get the hotel, and then I have to figure out, well, I have to fly there because otherwise I'm driving 14 hours. I'm going to have to get a rental car and figure out how to get around. And I'm just not a big traveler. So I can't justify that one this year. But I did just buy my ticket for CPC online. I'm pretty excited about that. I attended Orange Conference online. Next week, I'm doing etch through Lifeway online. So I do get to do some cool stuff that I wouldn't get to do experience some different conferences. But toddlers and conferences, life doesn't stop. There are laundry, there are children screaming, there is just interruption after interruption. So that's a struggle. And then a lot of them are doing a year long, like membership to all the audio, but then getting around to watching it. Because sometimes sitting at your computer for four hours or all day, Orange Conference was a bit longer with not a lot of breaks in there. That's tough, especially if you have kids and your mom. And then you don't get to see people. So you miss hanging out with your Kidman friends. You miss that in person. There's no vendor hall. Man, that's one of the best parts is going to physically get to put your hands on stuff and look through it. And then as a speaker... It's just not the same speaking to a computer screen. You can't gauge people's reactions. My class that I taught on Monday, I was trying to look at the people's faces and half the people had their cameras muted, which I did too. I had my camera off in some because I was eating and I didn't want people to see me eat cookies. But you can't look at their faces and see, are they enjoying it? Are they bored out of their minds? Are they wishing they chose something else to go to? But on the positive you do get to experience it all. So with the online library being part of a lot of these ticket prices, you get to listen to all of the breakout sessions. You get to go back and listen to parts that maybe you couldn't write fast enough for. So that's a positive, I don't know. There's kind of positives and negatives. We'll just see what happens next year. Hopefully we can be back to in-person because I'm gonna miss that. But what's your big takeaway from Megacon this week? Personally, one of the coolest things for me, if you caught it on Tuesday, with two minutes notice, I got to go and be a keynote speaker on the main stage. That was amazing. Um, For whatever reason, Tina Hauser was having trouble getting logged on, and I could see it in Ryan's face. He's trying to stall. He's starting to worry because you've got a speaker lined up who you know is going to bring awesome. Tina is amazing. She brings it every time she speaks. But they couldn't figure out what was happening. So I'm sitting there at my kitchen table and I'm like, do I call him? Do I I text him? But I mean, he's not going to need me. He could just wing something. But I just had this feeling like, no, you need to. You need to send a text. So I text him. I'm like, hey, I have a toddler here with me. But if you can't get a hold of Tina, I can teach what I taught on yesterday. And he texts right back. How soon can you be ready? So I go and I make sure that my face looks presentable. And I tell the nine-year-old he's in charge of the three-year-old. And I go downstairs. I don't even take the time to put up any of my lights that I'd taken down from teaching. And I go with no script, no notice in front of 5,000 people. Granted, I couldn't see those 5,000 people. So I guess that was a positive. I couldn't tell by their faces if they hated it. But as I read the comments during and after, I was moved to tears. Because of how God used me. I had no script. People were asking in the chat for my notes. There were no notes. That was very impromptu. I just spoke. And whatever God wanted was coming out. And it was so humbling. To be able to be used like that. Because I truly feel. Someone needed to hear something that I rambled about. And just knowing that I was obedient, that I listened, and that God did it was an amazing experience. And there's tons of great content going on on Megacon. If you are listening to any of it, I'm sure you are loving it. Two of my big takeaways from what I've listened to so far. On Monday, I really liked Nicole Crank. She was talking about goals, and I'm pretty sure she talked about this last year. But for me, who overplans my days, who overplans everything, because I'm a planner, I really liked just her reminder, take a couple minutes, write them down, but keep it short, stick to seven or 10. That's more manageable than the 80 million that I tend to write down. And then I really liked Ricardo Miller's talk. I didn't get to listen to all of it because, hey, screaming three-year-old. But I liked when he said that the Bible isn't just a history book, it's a manual. Now, I'm really big about teaching the Bible as history, but that's step one. And this is what I talked about in my deep dive on Monday, engaging kids in their faith. Before kids can understand that they need a Savior, they have to understand sin. Because if sin didn't enter the world through Adam and Eve, the very first people, Jesus' death and resurrection, it's not that big of a deal. Because if they don't understand that they were sinners— they don't understand their need for the savior, if they don't get to know God and his word and what happened in the word of God, God's story, his redemptive story of his love for our, his creation, us, they're not building their lives on him and they're not trusting him as the ultimate authority. We have to start by teaching the Bible as history. We can't let kids or we as leaders can't be picking and choosing which parts we're teaching as fact, which parts we're teaching as truth. It's all truth. It's the inherent, inspired word of God. John 17, 17 tells us that your word is truth. God is holy and perfect and righteous. He never lies. He gave us this, and we have got to teach it as such. And for a kid, for anyone, really, it is crucial that we teach the whole Bible. Personally, I think we need to start in children's ministry by teaching the story of the Bible first an understanding of what the story is. It's God's story. It's all connected. It's all in there for a purpose. And for things to make sense, to put it in context, we need the whole story. So for that reason, I am a big fan of chronological curriculums. It's teaching the biblical narrative. It's teaching the Bible as a story in order. It connects it together. It tells you who's who, how they're related to each other, what role they play in God's story It's giving things context, because sometimes when we teach stories out of place, they're just stories, and it doesn't make sense. So I do a couple of different things to teach chronologically. Um, I do this nonstop in my ministry, because I think it's just that important. So you have a couple of options when it comes to chronological curriculum. You can do a longer study. The big curriculum companies out there, when they have chronological curriculums, it's usually three to four year scope and sequence. But then, depending on what you're using, maybe you're tied to a denominational curriculum. Maybe you're not the decision maker when it comes to curriculum. Maybe you just love what you're doing so much, so you don't want to do a three to four year option. Use a shorter curriculum. Get a a four to six week series. Maybe that's too big for you. Do a single lesson. Every once in a while, take a break, maybe in between series, and toss in just one lesson, connecting kids to the Bible, telling the whole story. I did this one year with my kids, and I assigned kids or groups. When I have group work, I make it optional. I had one kid who would always prefer to work by himself, and that was me. I hated group work going, growing up. We had it in college. And I never understood why I was paying you like $25,000 and you made me work in a group. So I always make group work optional. Some kids like to work in a group. Some kids prefer being by themselves. But they could work by themselves or they could work in a group. And we made a timeline of the Bible through pictures. So I assigned each group a section and I had them work on a picture. And then we put it all together. And it was so cool. It was one of the favorite lessons that we had done. And I actually still, I kept them all. So they're still in my drawer, but teach a single lesson on the story of the Bible. You're not going to get to everybody, but the goal is to pick the stories and characters that tell the big story. So you're hitting on the big ones, the ones that move the story along. And then lastly, whatever you're using, tie it to the Bible. No matter what curriculum, even if you're on a a topical or an applicational, maybe you're just on a series of Moses, but tie it to the biblical narrative. So you're on Joseph. Take one minute during lesson time and either inform, if your kids don't already know, connect them, remind them, or quiz them on who Joseph was, who his family was, what role he played in the biblical narrative. So I did this in my class on Monday at Megacon, but we're going to try it now. Now at the class, they chatted in, said you guys, I can't see you. So we're just going to pretend that you're responding. Let's do a little connection time. So Joseph had a lot of brothers. How many brothers did he have? Eleven brothers. That's right. Okay, now who was his dad? You're right again. His dad was Jacob. So his dad Jacob was the son of Isaac. Who was the son of Abraham? But remember, God had made a really big promise to Abraham. What promise did God make to Abraham? Oh, you're right again. God promised Abraham that he was going to have as many descendants as there are stars in the skies. He was going to make him into a new nation. Now we start to see Abraham's promise or God's promise to Abraham really starting to kick off with Joseph and his brothers. How? That's right, Joseph and his 11 brothers become the 12 tribes of Israel, God's special people, a whole nation that have more descendants than you could count. Guys, it's that easy to connect the story to the biblical narrative. You're just connecting the pieces and the players to God's story. You're putting it all together and helping it make sense to them. And when kids or adults understand God's story, They understand their need for the Savior. They understand what it means to be in relationship with God. They're building a foundation on God and his word, and it can make an eternal difference. All right, now I want to unbox a couple of items that I personally love to teach the biblical narrative. The first one is my favorite chronological curriculum. It's Answers Bible Curriculum through Answers in Genesis. I've used this for the last two churches over like 10 years. I've used this nonstop for Sunday school since I started using it. It used to be a three-year cycle. Now it's four because their lessons are meaty. I like meaty lessons, and they are chocked full of just amazing, deep content. The very first lesson teaches preschoolers that God is omnipotent. It does not stray away from big words, it, it brings it. There, each lesson has different activities. They include the activity sheets. Now you have an online portal, so all of your leaders can just go to the online portal and get what you need. There's posters. They even have this giant game poster for review. There's Bible verse posters, take home pages, activities that kind of vary from lesson to lesson. But some days, and by some, I mean a lot of days, I have trouble getting through the whole lesson because there is just that much awesomeness. I love this one. Then my second pick is one that just came out in April. It's called Exploring the Bible Through History. Rose Kids Publishing just came out with this Amazing book. I mean, if you guys get this book, it is going to revolutionize your world. I might be a little biased since I'm the author, but I wrote "Exploring the Bible Through History," based off of Rose Kids. Um, Hendrickson Rose is actually the the name of the parent company, and Rose Kids is the subsidiary company. But they have a ten foot long Bible timeline. It's the only of its kind. It has the different Bible stories, and it's putting them in historical and chronological context. So I wrote a lesson book based off of that, and it's got 25 stories in order off of that timeline, but it's not everyone. It's not every biblical story, not everyone off that timeline. Hopefully, if you guys buy lots of copies, they'll let me make a second book in the series. But it is chalked full. Each lesson is full of activities, honestly, more than you could use in a single lesson. But it's teaching the Bible as truth. It's teaching it as history. It's teaching it to show kids why it's important. So it's a really good option for a shorter series. If you can't do four years, 25 lessons is a lot shorter. But let's say you need to go even shorter than that. When we started this next year... I wanted to start my kids off with the story of the Bible again. They get it in a chronological curriculum, but I wanted to remind them a good little refresher course. So I made a six-week series for them, the big picture of the Bible, because that was my goal, to give them the big picture. And I use puzzle pieces as an image to connect it all together. So each lesson, we would take a chunk of the Bible story, and we would learn about it in a fun, interactive, hands-on way. And then their closing activity would be to create a puzzle piece that describes that section of God's story. And it took me a lot of tries. Unfortunately for them, they were the guinea pigs, and it took me a while to get the puzzle pieces figured out to where they actually connected to each other. But then they could put their six puzzle pieces together and make one big picture because it's one big picture of God's story. So if you're interested in that, that lesson's actually available on kidmanoutlet.com. And my last favorite resource... Or chronological teaching is a movie. Do you guys ever do movie clips or sometimes just movie day in class? Well, Phil Vischer has a series called What's in the Bible. I love this series. He uses puppets and I think they are hilarious. It's 13 DVDs and it is surprisingly deep for puppets, but they walk you through the Bible. And then it has different segments with different characters and funny things. And Phil Vischer breaks in, and he really, in an amazing way for kids, he connects these deep, deep, deep theological, just heavy things. And he makes it in a way that kids can understand it. But he's very intentional about bringing the gospel with this series. I know if you've read anything from him or heard him talk, he has some regrets, from veggie tales because it was more moralistic more teaching stories and he definitely corrects that with this series it's teaching the bible it's teaching god's story and it's teaching the deep stuff you're definitely kids will see their need for the savior with this so why do i teach the biblical narrative because kids need to know god's story we as kidman leaders we have the job of helping kids have a firm foundation to build their lives upon no, it's not all on us. Mom and dad are supposed to be doing it too. But we need to be doing our part to make sure that we're teaching them to stand on the word of God as the ultimate and the ultimate source of truth in their life. Matthew 7 talks about the wise and foolish builder. Anyone who hears these words of mine is like a wise man that built his house in the rock. The wind came, the waves crashed, but his house did not fall. When we teach the Bible is truth, when we teach God's word is fact, When we give kids the story of God's redemptive love for his special creation, we are giving kids a firm foundation on which they can build their faith and their lives upon. That is why I teach the biblical narrative. All right, Kidman friends, I hope you come back next week. I hope you've enjoyed this second episode. I just really wanted to spend some time talking about what has been on my heart. That's how I pick what I speak, that whole little impromptu Megacon main stage thing was just what God has been speaking to me and he has been showing me the biblical narrative is so important and he's been showing me that we need to listen we need to step out of our comfort zone and we need to let him lead us so I hope you are being prayerful about where God wants you to lead where God wants you to take your ministry his ministry What he wants you to teach his children. Remember, Kidman leaders, what you do matters.